AG1 is a comprehensive and convenient blend of over 70 high quality ingredients. And what that means is each morning when I wake up, before I do anything else, I drink AG1 to set me up for the day. It keeps me clear headed, full of energy and focused on whatever I need to do, like writing the fighting cock, for example. One scoop once a day before breakfast and that's it. I've actually found that I've not been needing coffee in the morning to get me started. I've still been drinking coffee because I love coffee, but it's not because it's like a necessity to do so. AG1 is made out of the highest quality ingredients subject to the strictest manufacturing standards. AG1 is NSF certified for sport and this process involves exhaustive testing and verification that every serving of AG1 is exactly what you see on the label. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs for your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock. That's drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock to get started. And to help the podcast. Thank you very much. Have a great day and enjoy the show. GG Poker is the biggest online poker site and they have more players than any other on the internet. Why play anywhere else? They have a wide range of games and unique features that you just can't find on any other site. GG Poker run huge tournaments with big prize pools and they hold the record for the biggest ever prize pool on an online poker tournament. There are games for all players at all skill levels, whether you're new to poker or a seasoned pro, including cash games and exciting tournaments like Bounty Hunters and Sunday Majors. GG Poker offer popular games like Texas Hold'em and Omaha to unique games like All In or Fold and Spin and Gold. New players that make their first deposit get £60 in free play, 18 plus, new UK players only, minimum deposit is £10, full terms and conditions apply, begambleaware.org and please play responsibly. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Look, my day job as a firefighter is tough, but my night job as a social media manager, my Persian cat Jinxie, that's intense. It's 8 p.m. I've finally gotten home from another 24-hour shift, and I just want to kick back with a cold one, but... Old Jinxie knocks my beer right off the counter and gives me that look that says, no drinking on the clock. But Heineken Zero Zero keeps us both happy. Zero alcohol, but just as refreshing. So I get my drink and I can still work on Jinxie's new line of merch. Heineken Zero Zero. 0.0% alcohol. Now you can. Must be 21 plus to purchase. Enjoy responsibly. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. 
Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock! It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Fighting God Podcast. Today I'm joined by Wendy. How you doing, mate? I'm good. How are you? I'm really good because, uh, you know, Spurs are winning, even though it's hard to watch at times. Very, very difficult um, experience watching Tottenham at the moment because uh, we're winning games, but it's not convincing and there are still defensive issues and all that. But what I want to talk about is... um, something that's a bit more positive and someone that you know very well because you've watched him over the many years and seen him his rise to the first team, Jaffet Tanganga. Mm. Um, how long, uh, when, when did you first become aware of his talent? Uh, when did I first become aware? I, I think I probably saw him play when he was 16 for the under 18s and I liked what I saw straight away. Uh, I, he, he'd been in England age groups. So when players are included in England training squads or full squads at any age level, you know they've got ability. So if a player's represented their country, you're thinking, OK, we've, we've got someone here that's worth keeping an eye on. And, and Tanganga had been identified quite early as someone who, who had this potential and could play for England. So there was a bit of hype, but hype within the sort of community of Spurs youth watching people. So... His name wasn't widely known. Um, and he took to academy football like a duck to water, was very, very um, impressive uh, in kind of leading from the back. So he always played centre-back. Uh, that's the first thing to say. He's, I, I don't recall him ever playing right-back or left-back for the academy. Uh, he may have done a couple of times, but it certainly wasn't a regular thing. He, he was a centre-back. And he was a very sort of tenacious, brave centre-back who would throw his body in the way of shots and put his head in a way when it mattered to make clearing headers um, and, and led led by example from the back. And yeah, just instantly caught my eye and was someone I liked, definitely. When you say he's, he, he's never played left back or, or, or right back, do you feel like he has played that for Mourinho? I mean, it... it... I can't. I mean, is that has he played left back and right back? I know he's played on the left side of a uh, centre back three and has mm. filled in as a left back, but he hasn't been like a Danny Danny Rose's position or anything like that, as far as I can tell. Maybe against City, it's it's a very different formation, isn't it? That's I mean, that's the obvious thing. When Tanganga's playing full back for Mourinho, it's it's like you say a much more withdrawn role where he's not expected to provide much attacking impetus. But then having said that, in the Middlesbrough game where he played, the, the, the second game against Middlesbrough where he played right back, mm. he was bombing on down the right and he was he was being expected to kind of beat his man and put a cross in. And he did it really well. And I was that was one element of his game that I was surprised with because he'd never kind of sort of shown that creative ability for the uh, for the academy sides before. So that was a that was a nice bonus. I guess from uh, if he's playing centre as a centre back, he, he's not going to get that opportunity to do it. Uh, but yeah, that, that marauding run down the right hand side against Borough was brilliant. It was it was really really exciting, and and it added to his defensive abilities and how sure he's been at the back since coming into the side. To then see that he's, he's actually got he's really pacey and and he can take a player on if he's mm. been on that right hand side was just an added benefit. Really, how did you feel then when Mourinho 
decided to to pick him for the game against Liverpool, the best attacking side in football at the moment. So as you can imagine, uh, my mentions on Twitter went mental uh, because an academy player was playing that people didn't really know about. And some people knew that I'd been rating him for quite a while, but I'd, I'd kind of given up on, on him having a chance, um, particularly under Pochettino. Um, I felt incredibly nervous on his behalf. I, I, I just felt like, please don't, please don't make a major error. Don't do what Kyle Walker-Peters did against Barcelona. Don't do anything that, that could be a black mark against you because young players don't tend to get a second chance where with kind of new signings will persist with them until they become good. So Sissoko, we went through a year of him being abject. Son took a long time to adjust to the pace of, of the Premier League. Mm. But because there were signings that were brought in on big wages and were big names, of course the club's going to persist with them and, and hope to get their money's worth. Young players don't get afforded the same chance typically. Mm. So a couple of poor games or or even just average games and that might be their chance gone. Uh, so I just desperately wanted him to get through the game unscathed, and he did way more than that. Definitely, he definitely he um, from, from the first minute I, I felt comfortable, and I, I think it's because of my ignorance and you know like I knew nothing about his development other than occasionally listening to you speak about him. But it, it was weird. I was just like, yeah, this feels good. This feels right. I don't, I don't know why I can't explain it, but I feel completely comfortable with Tanganga, who's never played a first-team match, if, if I'm right. Is that right? He played in the League Cup. Okay. Uh, he, he, he played in the League Cup, but never had a Premier League the, he, Premier League, Premier League game. That he, He's just going to come in and, 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 and do okay. And it was such a high-pressure match with high risk for him to, to make mistakes. And... You know, I think it helped the fact that they played free at the back for that game, I'm pretty sure, and he was playing on the right-hand side. So he only had to play his game, really. But even still, you know, keeping that front trio quiet is a mean task for anyone, as we've, as we've seen over and over again. But by and large, he did really well. I think, you know, some people being ultra-critical might have said that he could have done better with the, the goal where he got turned. But I don't... I'm not sure... I, I think the same result would have happened even if Alderweire was there. Yeah, I agree. And he made a block on the line within a few minutes. Yes. Um, and it was funny because I, I tweeted something pre-match about like how he is a, a wholehearted defender and will throw himself at things and and do and, you know make late blocks. And I think people like took that as a kind of proper football man comment. And then he goes and does it within five minutes. I was like, that's what I mean. That's literally what I'm, that's, he does this all the time. (laughs) And it's not that he's like a proper football man. He just anticipates the game well. And he he knows when to drop back on the line and to, when to come out and meet a player who's taking a shot. He reads the game incredibly well. Yeah. And and it's that kind of defending that really the Spurs fans will attach themselves to or really get behind. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Michael Dawson when, you know, Michael Dawson was a limited footballer, a limited defender, right? He had his good points and he had games where he was incredible, but he was very, you know, he was limited, right? Yeah. but his playing style meant that you just loved him. You could see yeah. he, he, he was playing for the for the shirt, and, and that's all you kind of want. Right? A, a, a footballer is only as good as his 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 coaching being brought up and 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 the surroundings around him. And all you can ask from a footballer when they get picked by the manager is just really do all they can. 
And that was Michael Dawson in a nutshell. You know, when he'd, when he'd attack headers, he'd do it with every ounce of ambition and passion that he had within his body and put his neck proper through it. Do you know what I mean? And last yeah. ditch tackles and going like full bloody tackles on the wing to get the ball out. That, that, that kind of attitude is what, what fans love to see. And if that is a part of Tanganga's game, if he can continue to maintain this form, and it may be that his ceiling is higher than this, but even if he can maintain this form and just show an ambition and love for the for, for playing for Spurs, then um, he, he, I can't see him not being in the side regularly from this point forward, providing well, providing you know he doesn't make any huge massive errors or a series of them. Yeah, this I mean this is this is a large part of his game. He has got that Dawson esque element of just loving to defend, which. In, in many ways, he's a bit of a lost art of the English game. But on top of that, he's kind of got the, the physical attributes that Dawson was lacking. So he's quick. He's really quick, actually, uh, deceptively so. And he covers ground well. Uh, but he's also naturally really strong. So he's not the tallest player. You'll notice he's probably, what, 5'11", something like that. 5'10", 5'11". Is that all he is? Because he feel, yeah, feels he's, bigger. he's got a hell of a leap on him. He gets up so well. And one of the things I've been um, saying constantly is, we're really missing a trick by not putting him in the box when we've got corners. Because in my eyes, from what I've witnessed in the under-18s, under-21s, under-23s, he's one of the best players we've got in, in the club at attacking crosses. Really? He's incredibly good at challenging for aerial balls, and he scored a good number of headers for the under-18s in particular. So we should be having him in the box. Uh, people have said, yeah, but you know, he's, he's good at defending on the run as well. So if we got, get caught on the counter, you need someone like that there. Well, I, I kind of think he can make you've got plenty pace. of other players that can do that. Plus, he, can, got, he uh, can get back quickly as well. Can't yeah, he? exactly. If needs be, he can he can get back quickly. But he's so good at attacking the ball. I hope that's something we see eventually because we're, we're kind of weak from uh, from corners. Just for the record, he is six foot, exactly. Is he? Okay, interesting. But that's, that's I, only an inch more than uh, five and yeah, 12. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised, I'm surprised by that. I always thought he was a shade under, but he he uh, he attacks the ball like a man much taller because he's got such a leap. Yeah, um, did you see his interview after the game? It yeah, was, yeah, uh, yeah. What, it, was, it was joyful, wasn't it? It was lovely because I mean, there wasn't much joy coming from him because he is quite a reserved. He's guy. calm, very calm, very calm. He, he just barely looked like it. It was almost like he's just taking it in his stride, which is what you yeah. want. But yeah. he did talk about um, that Mourinho came to him on the Tuesday before the game, which was a few days before the actual game itself, and said, "Do you want to play?" And he said, yes, I want to play. And he said, you're not going to be nervous. You're going to be okay. And he goes, yes, I'll, I'll be fine, which is, which is great. I mean, he probably definitely wasn't expecting that. Uh, and then he said after the next few days, he worked on shape. The three defenders worked on shape against Liverpool. And from that point on, he knew he, he was going to be in the side. And he talked about having two sleepless nights before the game, which shows he's, he's excited for it, as well as, um, you know, ner- has this nervous energy, along mm. with the calmness. Um but then what was really lovely about it was when the other players were saying, look, you're in training, you're coping with Harry Kane, Hummin Son, Lucas Moura every day. You can do this. I just thought it was a, a really lovely thing how, how much he went on record as saying that his teammates helped him cope with the nerves and, and, and trust him his ability. Yeah, they, they do seem like a very um, supportive squad we've got. Um, and everyone always talks about what a great group of lads they are. Mourinho has been very kind of up on the camaraderie in the group. 
and that can only be a good thing when you're a young player. You kind of need to feel a part of that and, and that you have the respect of your teammates and that they're there to... They've got your back, basically, if something goes wrong. Um, you mentioned earlier about players being exposed too young. They're not ready kind of thing. And it can... It, uh, you know, it's much more likely that a young player will be cast aside if he has a few bad games and it would be a mm. new signing. Um, which I think that's one of the reasons why Troy Parrott perhaps hasn't featured much because they're they're a little bit anxious. Kristen Hennig mentioned it actually that a, a young striker, especially being thrust into the first team, that they, they may be protecting him somewhat because he's just signed a free, new three year deal. Um, so it suggests they are in his plans. But sorry, he is in our plans to play. But what what, what do you think? Do you think that's part of the reason why we haven't seen any minutes from him? Uh, so I tin foil hat on. I think potentially. They wanted him to sign the contract before they exposed him to first team football on a regular basis because I, th- I think his contract was due to expire at either this year or next. So a German side could come in and pick him up or something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, if we're if we're if we're truly honest about the situation at Spurs with young players over the last three years, it's been it's been a problem. So a lot of good young players have have left the club because they couldn't see a route to the route to the first team from the academy. So Mourinho started addressing that already, which is great, but it's going to take some time to change the perceptions. And what we don't want is our best young players, and Troy Parrott is certainly one of the best academy players we've ever had. What we don't want is him thinking, I'm not going to get a chance here. Look, Harry Kane's a striker. How am I ever going to overtake Harry Kane? I need to go elsewhere and and find regular football. What we want Troy Parrott to see is Harry Kane cannot play every game and I need to be there 50% 50% of the time and if I excel in those 50% of games then maybe they play me and Kane together and and that's that's the kind of confidence we need to instill in in a player like Para. I think we'll see more of him now he signed the contract and that's I, I could be wrong maybe Mourinho was totally should totally be taken at face value when he said that he doesn't think Parrot's quite ready yet uh, but personally I think he's absolutely ready certainly physically I mean he played for Ireland he played 60 minutes for the full national team of Ireland and he did a very good job. Um, you, you can see highlight clips of, of that performance. And is it just, well, great. just the one goal? Uh, it's one game for Ireland, is that right? Yeah, yeah. He, he just played the one game for them so far. I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be many more. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Ireland have got a, a couple of strikers now who are going to be great together. It's Connolly as well, isn't it? And Yeah, and Ida, Adam Ida, the, uh, the Norwich striker also. Um, it, 18 is very young though and it, certainly at a club like Spurs where there's a goldfish bowl once you're on the pitch and in there all of the if he makes his debut all of the press are going to be looking at him it won't be like Tanganga where it was a complete shock that he came in uh, but with Troy Parrott is that there's already a little buzz around him and he's like you say he's made his full debut for Ireland I just wonder that if uh, what player is ready at 18? Sure. No, I, I can appreciate that. But at the same time, you've got Mason Greenwood getting regular minutes for Manu and Gabriel Martinelli getting regular minutes for Arsenal. They're both 18. They're both coping adequately. Uh, Parrot is certainly on the similar level to them in terms of ability. Uh, and I'd actually say he's he's way better physically developed than, than Martinelli and, and more able to handle the kind of the rough and tumble of the Premier League, as it were. Um, so I don't see a problem with him getting minutes. I'm not I'm not saying start Troy Parrott between now and the rest of the season. That would be absolute lunacy. But there's no reason why he can't get 50 minutes off the bench here, half an hour off the bench there. The odd start between now and now and May. 
Mm. And we've got some games that he could play in Norwich in the FA Cup, for, for example. Um, yeah, and like you say, Harry Kane, if, if, you know, as long as he stays at Tottenham, is going to have to be managed because mm. he has significant injuries every season. Like He's out for a significant amount of time, time every season. Every year we have to cope with his absence. And maybe, and certainly the, the, this groin injury where it wasn't an impact injury, it was that, that was that's about wear and tear and, and the amount of, of game. Of course, exactly. So he, Troy Parrott actually needs, to, if he is good enough, uh, which you seem to think he is, and you know you're a better place than me. Then, like you say, he does. Mourinho has to start using him when he, almost when Kane comes back, if not before, because you know there's no point in having him at a football club. And I wonder if Troy Parrott would have signed the contract if we'd have bought in Piantec or Giroud mm. on a on a two or three year deal, or whatever it would have been. Yeah, absolutely. I think it sort of encourages him that we didn't sign a striker. Uh, if, if we'd signed a striker on a two year deal and Troy Parrott hadn't signed the contract. I wouldn't have blamed him, to be honest, because that that would have that would have been a blocker for him. Yeah, and there were many clubs across Europe who would take Troy Parrott and basically use him immediately. So I wouldn't have blamed him. I, I think um, now he signed this contract for another three years. We've got that kind of security that we're not going to going to lose out any value on him. Uh, I, I hope we see hope we see some of him between now and May, and I hope he shows what he can do because he's he's a very very capable player he's kind of got everything he's he's well set to become a very good footballer i wonder if i wonder if you know spurs were looking at it looking at a, a deal a striker deal and and then and it, there was kind of noise from troy parrot's side that saying look i'm not going to sign his contract if another striker's been brought in i respect what you're doing i understand why you want to bring someone in but and they and and they and the club know that they do have this special young talent that that perhaps they don't need a second striker and Troy Parrott is the man and that is the plan of action. And I know it doesn't placate many Spurs fans because they just want to see this big name come in or a yeah. liable striker. But if there is a plan for Troy Parrott and it involves first-team football for him, then maybe that is the best solution or a solution to our striking problems. Definitely. And I think the good the good thing about Tanganga coming through is it kind of shows the... The average fan who doesn't really know much about our academy, it shows them that the gap between our under twenty three players and our first team players is not as big as many would think. Mm. Um, I'm not saying at all that you know we could just parachute in kind of five players from the under twenty threes and they'd all cope as well as Tanganga has. Like that is that's completely unrealistic. But one a year, absolutely, a hundred percent, we could manage one a year from our academy, and you know they'd they'd be just as good as as most kind of squad signings, for sure. Yeah. Um, Tanganga's uh, ceiling, like, haven't you watched watched the development of, of these players? And, uh, mm. and I, I remember the last centre-back you raved quite about was Carter Vickers, who mm. hasn't gone on to do amazing things, struggling in the championship, sort of flitting between loans. Is he still even on our books? Uh, yeah, he's on loan at, um, gosh... He's on loan. I forget where at the moment. He's, he's just gone out. He's on the. I think it's the team who are bottom of the championship. I remembered, but he's gone to Ipswich. He's he's, he's played all over the place really, and, yeah. and has never really kind of cemented it. Luton. He's gone to Luton. Luton. Yeah, so. I think they're down the bottom somewhere. Um, but 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 I'm not saying what what the question. I'm not, I'm not asking the question. You know about whether or not Tanganga will go the same way as Carter Vickers because you rated him as well. It was. It's more about like it, it's everything you've seen up to now convince you that Tanganga could have uh, could have achieved what he has done the last six or seven games 
Yeah, I, and and looking back on Carter Vickers, I think he's one who was incredibly highly rated when he was like 15, 16. Um, because of his size? Because of his size, partly. And he, he kind of got this reputation because he was playing for the US under-23s at 16, and then he played for the US national team. Um, and I'm not saying that he wasn't a good player because he was very, very good in the under-18s, very good. Uh but definitely there was a point where I think quite a few youth watchers went, okay, yeah, maybe he's not quite as good as we all thought. Like he definitely wasn't as good on the ball, for example. Tanganga's better on the ball. And um, we've got other good young players like TJ Ayoma, who's just gone out on loan for the first time, who is definitely not as good defensively as Tanganga, but he's probably more elegant on the ball. We've got Lyons Foster, who, although he's a bit smaller, uh, he's he's a very promising young player as well. And then we've just lost Lewis Binks, who's gone to join Montreal Impact, but he was another one I really liked. So we, Spurs have got a kind of a good production line in terms of centre-backs. We've got a good reputation for developing centre-backs. Uh, and Tanganga, for me, was one that was always at the top of top of my centre-back lists. OK, before I let you go, Wendy, what, what, um, mm. tell, me, tell me about some of our, our other prospects who you think could potentially break through into squad before the end of the season or, or mm. into next season. Could maybe start with the, the, the kid who was your left-back, Serkin, is it? Yeah, Dennis Serkin. Yeah, so uh, Serkin's a really interesting one because uh, he he's another one who was in England groups from a very young age. So you know he's you know he's good just from that. Uh, he came into the under 18s I think he might have made his debut at fifteen, but as a sixteen year old who's playing regularly for the first time, I saw him in a youth tournament when I think he was fifteen or sixteen, and he had an absolute nightmare of a tournament. He looked awful, uh, and and so I kind of I went, uh, well, I don't get the hype with this guy. What's 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 going on and uh and a few few of my friends who who also watched academy football just said no no keep watching he's this is just a bad tournament players have bad games he's mm. very good and i saw him again and he was the best player on the pitch the next time i saw him and i was like okay i see it i see it now i see what i've been missing Serkin is a very sturdy defender he's for a 17 year old he's very well built and this sounds incredibly creepy, but is not meant that way. He's got massive thighs, really, <laughs> really like meaty thighs, which set him up really well for being a Premier League just, uh, fullback. I think I've had to Google get that up and straight, down the pitch run. straight away. I've Googled well, it to, to look at his thighs. Oh, mate, they are sensational, aren't they? Yeah, they're like yeah. grown men thighs. I know, right? Like, why are they so big? I don't know. They're like honestly, they're bigger than they're like. You're talking about you're like Aurier. Size thighs. His thighs are bigger than my torso. Mad. Yeah. yeah. All right. Like, if, if his thighs are anything to go by, he's yeah. Let's go. Go on. So, so tell me more about him. So in yeah. So of... I sort of see him as a as a, a very good defensive fullback. He he definitely is good at going forward with the ball as well. But um, like where Walker Peters was renowned in the academy for being an attacking fullback, what Serkin focuses on first and foremost is his defending and. And that's that's quite refreshing in a way. It's nice to see a defender who likes to defend. Um, and I think I, I think he'll be good at both ends of the pitch in the future. But um, yeah, a left back who can defend is always going to be helpful. Well, certainly uh, in our current team. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, go on. Any, any, anyone else that, that kind of uh, excites you? Is this is, uh, is he under eighteen, Serkin? Has he been playing for the twenty three? He he's moved up to twenty three, but he's I think he's. He's either 17 or just he's, 18. He's 17. I just looked at his profile. Yeah. yeah. So, he, yeah, he's still a young lad. 
but but Mourinho obviously likes him. He basically name checked him within his first week, and then started including him as the as the nineteenth man in first team squad. So he's definitely one he likes. Um, what's and, uh, what's sorry, mate? With the nineteenth, was it like a spare one? Yeah, so they always take a spare man or two on their on their trips uh, for Premier League games, just as an experience for them. But also, if someone gets injured in the warm up, they can draft them onto the bench or whatever. Fair enough. So uh, yeah, he, he's been going along. He's also been on the bench a couple of times under Mourinho, so definitely is uh, in his plans, I would think. And there are some other good players. Um, it's difficult to get a handle on on who he likes best out of a, the next few. Um, so there's not been any kind of obvious signs or mentions of particular players mm. but I really I really like Harvey White who is a central midfielder um, who started off as a number 10 and has progressively got deeper and deeper and deeper but his main attributes I suppose are his set piece delivery which is just he's a left footer and he takes an absolutely awesome corner or um, free kick scores a lot of free kicks uh, someone compared him to James Ward-Prowse which I think is a very very good um comparison because they're quite they're both tenacious players who have particular passing ability but perhaps lack a little bit of mobility uh, so that i think that's a good comparison and i think uh, if, if white can have a career as good as james Ward prowse did have done well oh, mate, yeah i rate him highly he's good he's a good player i mean he, he's not like a, a player you'd cover for our first team but he's he'd be a good squad player you for, saw, for you, most you saw how, how hassan reacted when he was mm. i don't know if you saw it was you at the game mm. well, hassan i wasn't at the game i was watching on the stream yeah he um he was destitute, and luckily for for him, uh, it was just a gash on on his mm. on his leg. Cesar Young actually, after that challenge, looked pretty distraught. He did, didn't he? He thought he'd really hurt him, but uh, luckily uh, he hadn't. Um, but yeah, Arsenal said if you go know, if we lost the game and lost Ward Prowse, it would have been an absolute disaster. He rates him that highly, and there was mm. always this player that that managers kind of pin the, their their tactics and build the t- team around. And while Ward Prowse isn't this. Like you say, he's not a flair player. He's not a standout. He just does deliver. He's like seven out of ten every game. Yeah, uh, and occasionally eight. Um, I'm just looking at the squad now, just picking a couple. Uh, Maurizio Pochettino, any good? No, I think I think he'll be gone. I think he'll be gone come the summer. So what's what's quite interesting about that is that we seem to have completely changed our approach now with uh, with the development squad since Mourinho came in. So did you see in the transfer window we sold? two of our young players. We sold Tashan Oakley Booth and yes. Paris Magoma, yes. who were both 19, I believe. Uh, and that was quite unusual because under Pochettino, we just hung on to players and hung on to them and hung on to them until they were like 22. And um, what Mourinho's done is any players 20 or over are out on loan or gone. Yeah. And any players, I mean, and then he's got rid of, Magoma and Oakley Booth and and you know that's great for them because it means they get to start their careers they get to become footballers uh, which is all they want and they'll have a they'll have a defined career path and they probably weren't good enough for Spurs so it makes it makes sense what that then does is that frees up spots in the under 23s for younger players to come in so sending like Shiloh Tracy out on loan to Macclesfield suddenly means that we're playing Keon Etet or Etete I'm not sure how you how you pronounce his surname but the, the kid we signed from Notts County is a 17 year old yeah He's now been moved up from the 18s to the 23s, which is brilliant for him. And apparently, so he was one I thought we'd just signed to make up the numbers. I thought, okay, well, they're going to play Parrot higher uh, in the 23s. So they've signed Etete to, to fill him for the under 18s. No, apparently he's actually really good. He's um, he's six foot four, but he's actually really good with his feet as well. Where, uh, so where he, does he play? He's a striker. He's a centre forward. 
and he's now playing and he'll be now playing under 23 football so in a year's time we'll know a lot more about him and maybe he'll be ready to go out on loan and get some league experience and then you know the production line then has always has another player ready to step in which is which is great do you remember when um, there was this idea that Daniel Levy wanted to make is it 800k off of every academy player to break even I- I think it may have even been 400, but yeah, inflation and all that, so, so why, what, not, yeah, what, why not 800? So what, what was that then? It was just the the, 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 it, the benchmark. And this this was a time when Bentaleb was, was sold. That was when this was talked about, because he yeah. went for like a lot of money, didn't he? Like 14 million in the end. Yeah, I, I think it was like a theoretical number that kind of almost paid for their development. Yes. You know, if, if a player's joined Spurs at the age of 8 or 10, the amount of coaching they get and it's not just coaching it's teaching you know we we also we, we operate like a college at, at, um, at the academy so they they have lessons as well and yeah they go to the Tottenham Academy so there's a lot more that goes into it than um than just coaching that you know they're there's some of them are staying with with host families locally that costs money that costs the club money so there are costs associated with developing young players um I guess that was like a theoretical figure if we can average out at 400k per player then we're breaking even kind of thing or, or even making profit but you know you mentioned Bentaleb there there have been so many young players that have been sold on for big money Mason Livermore Townsend Kolka you know now Walker Peters will probably be sold Carter Vickers will probably be sold and then Tom Carroll then if you look at the value of uh Winks for example oh uh, yeah like you know, I know, 30 we, million plus yeah and you know Harry Kane like it's hundred million. Yeah, exactly. So it's in terms of what our academy has done, and I think a lot of time. Do you know me? Me and you had a. I wouldn't say call it a set to because we've never really had a set to, but we we had a slight disagreement in opinion and where the direction of the squad. And I think you're going to remember what I'm talking about in a second, where you were complaining about the 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 lack of opportunity that that some of our academy players are getting. And I was like, I don't care. Just buy players. If that's going to fix mm-hmm. us quicker, just fucking buy the players. I don't give a shit whether they're young. <laughs> I'll just buy players that are going to make us better. But then when you look at this, it's take a step back from being a little from, from being gammon. And then uh, just take a step <laughs> back and look at this. What the academy, in terms of finances, that the academy has provided for the football club. Insane amounts of money that this our academy has generated. Huge. Like, like we just said, if we could just tie it up in, in, in the last five or six years... Um, Kane 100 million Winks 30 million uh, Benzler went for 14 I think uh, Mason what did Mason get sold was he a free he, he sold got eight. sold to Hull yeah for what like eight 12 million something yeah, like that yeah yeah. so there's that um, anyway it's just uh, you know it's just, you mentioned Corker and uh, Carl Walker Peters uh, you know these are, these are um, even Danny Rose you could argue I know we bought him from Leeds but you know, the, the, for, in terms of our training of youth players, while many don't break into the team and like te- essentially become essential players for the club, the ones that do, Tanganga now, like what, what yeah. his van- value just by playing these seven games must have gone from what would we get? Probably get three or four million for him if he was sold. If that, if that, he was, at, he was out of contract at the end of the year. Fucking hell! So. So we'd have lost him on a free. We'd have lost him on a free, and gone from now someone coming in and looking that you can do already, and you would be thinking closer to ten million, right? So oh, hundred percent. Yeah, just because of his age and the fact that you can cope in the Premier League, and that's not to say that it will go on and do excellent things. It, it, who knows? Hopefully, he will. Football's very funny, but 
just by coming in and playing these games and being trusted by Mourinho, that's 10 million worth of talent that we have now have. And if he continues along this vein, then who knows? His age is incredible. And this has always been a big part of my argument. I'm I'm not in favour of just filling the first team squad with academy players for the sake of it. Yeah. That is That would be a crazy thing to do. But you've got all this talent at your disposal. We're one of the elite academies in the country, yeah. which happens to be one of the elite talent producing countries in the world we've got all this talent let's maximize it by creating value in the players so send them on loans get them exposed to first team football give them a couple of sub appearances in the cup like Alex Pritchard's another one he barely played for our first team we sold him for a huge amount of money you then use that money you make to buy first team players yeah. It just it's such a logical business plan. Chelsea have done it for years. Um it's it's easy money essentially. Um so uh, you know you'll get the occasional Harry Winks and once in a generation you'll get a Harry Kane. Uh that's a bonus. Everything else is just it's all adding to the pot. Yeah, as ever Wendy you prove to be correct. Um <laughs> it's just that you I, I can see I can see that image of T's eyes uh open wide as you say that. Yeah, uh, for those that don't know, we're now videoing the main podcast that you can, if watching us talk is something you want to do, um, then go to patreon.com forward slash the fighting cock. And obviously anyone who listens to this is, is going to know what the extra inch is, but this is a reminder to go over and, and listen to Nathan Bardi and Wendy speak about Spurs because it's great. Um, and it's and it's honest, and it's sometimes not what you always want to hear. But you've got to tell, you've got to say what you believe, right? And what I'm talking about is Nathan's breakdown of the game against City. No, no, no sorry, not City. Uh, Blackburn, not Blackburn. What the fuck? <laughs> who, who did we beat? Wolves away. Yeah, Nathan's been getting a little bit of stick uh, recently because he wasn't very happy with the Jose Mourinho appointment, and he fears that. Uh, the, the style of football is going in the wrong direction. Uh, and I think I think as he sees um, Mourinho evolve with us, I think he's kind of, he, each day he's like re-evaluating his opinion. And that's the good thing about Nathan. He's not completely set on one way of thinking. He's open to, to changing and evolving his opinion over time. And, uh, you know, it's his point was more, you know, Mourinho is a great manager or has been a great manager, but he might not have been the right fit for Spurs and he still thinks they were a better fit for Spurs when we appointed Mourinho. Mm. I think that's a very reasonable take, to be honest. No, no, it is, it is. It is just, but what, what, when has uh, someone being reasonable been something, you know, in terms of football fans? Yeah. Someone being reasonable isn't a thing in football, is it? We're just, no. If, you hear, if we've just won and you hear someone start digging them out, it's like you, you're... you're you're spoiling. You're shitting on our parade here. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you all had. A, you all had a go at me about that, didn't you? After the uh, oh, City game, Wendy, mate, like uh, you were, you were right. You were correct, right? You were 100 percent correct. <laughs> it was just my timing was the off. The timing right? was horrendous. So just let's, let's let's enjoy it, and then. But you know, um, I think the thing is, I processed things really quickly. So I was like, I'd enjoy, I'd really enjoyed the the win. I'd had a few beers, uh, had a great time, and then uh, I kind of got home. I, I was like. I'd moved on to the next game and I was like, oh shit, like, it wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine, mate. Just keep it to your fucking self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Uh, one more thing I, just, I forgot to mention, though, I thought it was quite important, is the. Uh, you've got Harry Kane, who's from Enfield. Harry Winks is from. I want to say, where's he? Hemel Hempstead. Hemel Hempstead. That's correct. My hometown. And then you've got, you've got Tanganga, who's even closer in Hackney. Isn't it incredible that you've got like three players in a club as 
a global franchise that Tottenham has become, a, a brand that's recognised wherever you go in the world, that we've got three starters currently that are from a stone's throw of the stadium. It's a lovely mm. thing. Mm. Yeah, there's some there's some um, some impressive local clubs in our catchment area, which I think definitely helps. Um, and yeah, Spurs, you know, Hertfordshire, Essex, even Cambridgeshire are, are kind of good catchment areas for Spurs for young players. And we we've got a, a scouting network at that level. People who know the club can feed young players in when they excel at their club. So, yeah, it's, it bodes well for more local players in the future. When you say cl- clubs in the catchment area, do you mean like clubs that have been renowned for bringing through major talent? Yeah, exactly. What, like, like I, 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 can't I can't remember that. There's a, there's two clubs, and I, I can't remember. It's the one the that Defoe was in, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. There's that one, but there's also there's another one which name, name escapes me. Yeah, uh, they have good links with Spurs. They get they they're a big name in kind of youth football anyway. So they so players want to join them. So the bet they end up having a, a, a selection of the best players, and then they've got links with Spurs and links with other clubs. So you get a, a natural pathway there, which is great, great for us. Um, and then and finally, uh, is there any laws that prevent players teams stockpiling players from other countries or do you have to have a certain amount of your intake from your directly local area or is that i don't think so anymore i think that's all gone but to be honest most academies uh might have like one or two players from abroad so we've got uh this kind of spanish midfielder called iago santiago who you might have remembered we we signed probably six months ago now it was a bit of a it's a bit of a story for some reason, but yeah. um, other than other than him and Maxi Tainio, who is Timu Tainio's son, I, I think that's pretty it, pretty much it. Oh, and uh, Poch's son, I think that's it for the um, the sort of European or foreign players in our academy. Is he like you know, you know Pochettino, the, mm. his son Maurizio, Maurizio? He is he is he was he genuinely only drafted in because because Poch is his dad? Can you see any other reason? I can't see any other reason. Oh my god! He's, I'm not saying he, I'm not saying he's awful. He's not an awful player, but he's definitely not at the level of players you would expect in the Spurs academy. That's crazy. And, but even worse than that is, I think we kept on a number of players post 18 that we wouldn't have got rid of that we would have got rid of previously because they wanted to keep Maurizio on. And that uh, was that, just keeping his dad happy. Having him, yeah. I know. I no, I know. You're just, you're just like, you're, you're thinking about the situation. I'm, I'm riffing. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Pochettino likes to hoard young players anyway. He, he, like I mentioned before, he would keep a lot more players than um, I would feel comfortable with because I think it's better to be having some natural churn. The players that aren't going to make it, let them go and have a career elsewhere. Bring through the younger ones, then the under 16 step into eight, the under 18s, and it all kind of feels like it makes logical sense. Yeah, uh, but Poch kind of hoarded them a little bit. Even having your son in the side is a conflict of interest, in my opinion. I know this. Well, he, had, he had both sons at the club because the other one was a, a sports scientist. Crazy, isn't it? Anyway, mm-hmm. um, I think in the during in the wash, or like the Pochettino, like there'll be some stuff coming out about Pochettino in the in the long run. That maybe he was a tyrant at the club and he was yeah i like that idea don't you (laughs) some sort of fucking mystery that there was a murder that he covered up yeah yeah some cleaner got murdered like cj demui from eggheads i don't know what that means you mean he he, uh he claimed that he pushed someone in the canal on an icy cold night and uh and essentially murdered them. He, I think he wrote it. I think he might have said it in an in an art, in an article where he either wrote or was interviewed for. I don't know. And then people were going, "Did he just admit to a murder? <laughs> Did he just? Admit, yeah, because it, it was a homeless man in Amsterdam. I remember it now. 
What a stupid yeah. idiot. You never admit yeah. to a murder, ever. It's bad. It's a bad idea. Um, yeah, I, ju- I just think, just to close the podcast off, I think that Pochettino, after a particularly bad result, may have punched a dinner lady at the club a bit too hard and killed her. And that there was a big, big cover-up around it, and, and that was part of his uh, downfall. R.I.P. Ethel. <laughs> Ethel, yeah, R.I.P. All right, mate, thank you so much, and uh, we'll speak soon. Yeah, take care, mate. Cheers, pal. Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit.